Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, how you doing? I'm Jim Richards, and this is message number six in this series on overcoming bad decisions. I want to remind you that overcoming bad decisions is not a series of pointing out all the ways you made bad decisions, all the wrong decisions that you made, but it's about teaching you how to make good decisions, but not just good decisions in the sense that, okay, I'm going to make better quality decisions, but how to how to bring your decisions into really into your life in a way that that actually ignites the grace and the power of God in you and the power to see them through it activates it opens your eyes it causes you to see the solutions that you need it motivates you it gives you physical and emotional energy to fulfill the very thing that you decide I'm going to tell you this this series is one of the most practical series about about walking in faith without ever really talking about faith all the time but see the big thing about faith is we don't know how to apply it so i'm teaching you how to walk it out how to apply it. you know what it means to trust god but sometimes sometimes the very things we do to apply faith end up neutralizing faith because they're not really based on the finished work of jesus now i got a great uh, eight message series that goes along with this that supports this and I just want you to know something I don't you know I don't, I'm not trying to leave stuff out of this series so you'll get the eight message series but I make these series where really with what you're getting here for free online and what you purchase through the the uh, longer more detailed version of this gives you a, a comprehensive concept of the subject matter no matter no matter what that subject matter may be and, and remember, when you purchase a series, one of these cyber church series, number one, you are investing in your own life, in your own heart. But number two is you're investing in uh, this ministry, being able to take the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. So today we're talking about the ultimate decision. I had such a hard time coming up with a name for this particular message today because, man, I mean, this is like the ultimate decision. It's also the ultimate expression of our godly nature. I mean, what we're dealing with today brings in so many incredible eternal factors that I just, just can't really cover them all here but let's just jump into this now i've said this time and time again you've heard me say it maybe hundreds of times by now the two pillars the first two pillars of faith is how god created the world and secondly how god created man if you do not believe the biblical account of how god created the heavens and the earth if you don't believe that account then you have no model about how to operate faith here in planet earth and that's one of the problems we don't operate in the faith of god we don't operate in faith the way god the father showed us we don't operate in god when uh, in the faith of god when jesus came and showed us the exact same process and explained it to us we come up with these concepts of walking in faith that you know they're kind of motivational they kind of sometimes they kind of hit and miss and work but the real truth is God wants us to walk in a faith that is not only immovable, but it is a faith that always sees uh, the end. It always inherit, takes hold of the promise and, and brings it to yourself. Now, <clears throat> I want you to understand something. 
if we're going to be truly be people of faith, we have to understand this. We have to understand that we're created in the likeness and the image of God. We have authority here on planet Earth. Whether we deserve it or not, whether we live good enough or not, we have authority because we're human beings created in the likeness and the image of God. Are there factors that come up? Uh, about what Jesus did through the death, burial, and resurrection? Yes, but the real truth is we run around talking about, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, this is my authority as a believer. Well, I don't even think we most people understand what that means. Authority of the believer is the fact that we have, we have authority here on earth, not because we're believers, but because we're humans. We have authority in heaven because we are in Jesus and, and he has authority in heaven and earth. And so as such, we have the authority to harmonize what God has completed in heaven here on planet earth. I got news for you. The minute, and it, and it will happen, you know, unfortunately it's not going to happen until Jesus comes back personally because we're not going to be willing to believe the truth. But the minute the body of Christ decides to believe what Jesus did through the death, burial, and resurrection and quit begging God to do the things that he has told us to do, the minute, we, the minute we quit all that religious game playing, we, we can bring peace to the earth. We can, we can have change in the earth. That's phenomenal. But unfortunately, we're not going to believe it until Jesus returned. And we, and we have him personally here modeling for us. I want you to know, one of the things that people hate more than anything, uh, especially believers, really, everybody, but is personal responsibility. You know, I've said for years, if you read through the parables, you never see the phrase personal responsibility, but you start realizing that the, every one of the parables has what I call the golden thread of personal responsibility. That That is woven into the fabric and the message of every single parable that Jesus taught. Because the parables that Jesus taught were not about how to get born again. Now, you know, he made the occasional reference to getting born again, but the parables that he taught were about how to live and function in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, how to have heaven here on earth. And you can't have heaven here on earth if you do not accept and walk in personal responsibility. And so in the, in the, uh, the parable of the sower and the seed, uh, Jesus explains that if you, if you don't get this parable about the sower, then you will never comprehend and understand any of the other parables. Now, the parable of the sower brings us down to one thing. We plant seed in our heart based on what we listen to, what we hear, what we think about. That's our source. That's where the seed comes from. And the seed doesn't grow because somebody has a special anointing and lays hands on us or, or, or whatever, or even because God makes a decision. The seed grows when we uh, nurture the seed in our heart by thought, by meditation, by pondering, by considering, by reflecting, by doing all of these things that influence our heart and our mind. And so the law of sowing and reaping is the most important law of the created universe and it is the law that undermines and undergirds everything that happens uh, spiritually, physically, emotionally uh, in, in, in this created world that we live in. And so the law of sowing and reaping is always about the fact that we make decisions. We decide what we're going to listen to. We decide what we're going to believe. We decide what we're going to think about. We decide all these things, and all of these things are part of what nurtures and makes the seed, the good seed, the bad seed. doesn't matter. It grows in our heart based on observing these laws of the, uh, of the seed. Now, 
religion has created this concept that God's always late or he gets there at the last minute. And really, it, it, you know, back in the Pentecostal days, you know, when they would want to get the Holy Ghost, as they would, as they would term it, you know, they, they would go to church and they would tarry or wait on the Lord. And, you know, they would hang around the altar for hours and hours and hours tearing and waiting. And so the concept that was being presented was, God, I am here. I'm doing my part, but you're not here. And, and so we have created this, this thing, this concept where we have to motivate God. We have to shout loud enough, dance enough, play, you know, play enough music, worship enough, speak in tongues enough, confess it enough, or whatever it is that you believe you need to do. There's something we have got to do to get God to move. That is exactly the opposite of what the Bible te teaches from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. I'm going to go through here, and I'm going to show you some things about what I call the ultimate decision because here's the thing anything that god has given you through jesus uh, he isn't he doesn't do anything else to make that come alive in you you do now this is not dead works it's not earning anything from god but it's you making a decision it's you it's you nurturing this in your heart and allowing the seed to grow in your heart and sadly we don't really believe it's a finished work we don't really believe jesus has done his part we we say that but but we believe that we've got to somehow coax god coax jesus to come and do something there's something that's lacking but the real truth the message in the bible from beginning to end is that God has done his part. We have personal responsibility and that if we trust him, we will make godly decisions that express that. You know, the book of, in the book of Genesis, in the garden, you know, we have this story in Genesis 2, 15. It says, then God took man and put him in a garden, in the garden of Eden, to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, I'm not going to go into all the temptation here, but I'm going to answer a question that I have seen in, in hundreds of the, theological books. You know, when I first got saved, I remember I bought a, 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 a Bible commentary set, and I'm telling you something, I made it to about the, I can't remember, about the 16th, 17th chapter of Genesis, and then I just sold the whole set. It's like, are you kidding me? You can't accept the biblical account of creation. And the, and the way you explain why God did things, uh, independent of what the Bible says, I, I, have no, I have no use for this. What you find in, in a lot of Hebrew writings, what you find in a lot of uh, uh, you know, New Testament Christian writings, uh, is that the reason there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden along with the tree of life is that, that God had to put man to the test. Well, I have a problem with that because the book of James, the first chapter, says, let no man say when he's tempted, tested, tested tried, scrutinized, and made to, made to strive or strain. Don't ever say that it's God doing that. God's, God's never testing you to see if you'll give in to evil. God has one test for you, and that's, that's the test of faith. And the test of faith is that, real simple. God makes you a promise, and the only test is, will you believe it's true and therefore take action on it? That's it. There, is, there, there isn't another test for you. Believe God, and therefore you follow God, therefore you trust God. You know, uh, we have very mystical concepts of, of creation, and, and you have to understand that in order to have a physical world such as we have, a physical universe such as we have, then there had, there had to be laws. For example, there can't be an up 
if there's if there is not a down. There can't be a, a right if there's not a left. You know, we we have all of these incredibly basic and simple laws that factor into understanding creation and coming to understand the laws of physics, as we would call them. Uh, but we also have to realize on the emotional and spiritual and relational side of this, God said, you know, about, the Bible says God is love. So what God wanted was a family. He didn't need an army. He didn't need soldiers. He didn't need people to fight for him. He wanted to have a loving relationship. One of the things about a loving relationship is a, re a loving relationship is never based on fear. It's never based on coercion. It's never, it never comes about because one person is in control and makes everybody do what they want to do. It doesn't come about because one person threatens and bullies the other person doing what they want. Love is one of these environments that absolutely requires freedom of choice. And if there's not freedom of choice, then whatever is happening is absolutely not based on love. And so when God gave man authority, dominion, and, and you know, there's several places in, in the entire Bible where it goes into the fact that God gave us dominion, that God gave us authority. I think one of the places you never hear people talk about is one of the, is one of the most uh, 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 clear uh, overviews of everything from creation to uh, you know, Jesus being crucified and, and there being accountability for him being crucified. And I believe it's in Luke 20 where he starts out with, you know, a man bought a vineyard and he leased it out. That's exactly what, what happened with planet Earth. Planet Earth belongs to God. But he gave us authority. He leased it out to us. And the goal was that we would use this right that we have to till this garden and that we would do it for God and we would trust him and we would you know, do, what, do what he leads us to do. But because this is a loving relationship, because we're creating the likeness and image of God, God will never, ever make us do that. Therefore, there always has to be a choice. If there is not a choice between any two things, then there is not freedom. Therefore, there is not love. So if God had put man into uh, paradise, into Eden, uh, and had did not give him freedom of choice and, and freedom of authority, then the real truth is there would have been no loving relationship. Men would not have had authority. And the real truth is all we would have, we would have been like the angels. We would not have had the capacity to give and receive love the way we do. So from the very beginning, God said, you got freedom. And, and here's the tree of life. And, and as long as you're eating from the tree of life, you will always have life. It was kind of interesting as I, and I could be a, a little wrong on that, but as I understand the Hebrew word and comparing the tree of life to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in the tree of life, you trusted God, you partook of it, you experienced life, and because you experienced it then, you were able to understand it. The difference then is from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you weren't going to trust God. You, you, you weren't looking for God to to give you life. You are looking to find life out of your own knowledge. And so we get, the, we get the knowledge of good and evil, and it's just the reverse. So now that stimulates our knowledge, and we think that from that knowledge, we can bring the same life that God had brought to us. And that's the whole, that's the whole battle of planet Earth, and wicked people have fought to, have fought to take over planet Earth, uh, control the resources of planet Earth, you know, from, from the day that we, that we left the garden. So 
God shows us right off the bat, it's always your choice. You are always going to make the ultimate decision about life and death. You're going to make the ultimate decision about heaven and hell. You're going to make the ultimate decision really in being healed, not being healed. You're going to make the ultimate decision prospering or not prospering. And so nobody wants to accept that. Nobody wants to accept that it's the decisions that I make that determine the direction in my life, that determine what I see and perceive and experience in my life. In the book of Deuteronomy, it uh, so interesting. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, as a matter of fact, all the way through the first five books of the Bible, it's amazing how many times God talks about believing in our heart, turning to Him in our heart, trusting Him in our heart. And He brings out the fact this has got to be a heart factor. This is not an intellectual factor. This is not about this is not about getting some secret knowledge and some intellectual information and making these choices and uh, uh, and and getting the life of God because we we know something that somebody else doesn't have. But we leave this thing of the heart out. It's left out of teachings in the Old Testament. It's left out. Very few people talk about it in the New Testament. And when they do, most of the time they don't know what they're talking about. Or if they do understand the heart or do understand there is a heart, they don't really understand what the Bible teaches about how to, to bring our heart into a participation. Which, by the way, you know, I have a program called heart physics. We have a 30-day life-changing program called Essential Heart Physics that takes you through heart work every day based on the scripture that opens you up to a place to where you can recognize the difference between your thoughts and the voice of God in your heart. You can hear and recognize God, recognize the presence of God in your heart. And I'm telling you, it is a, it is a life transformation program and it's 30 days of investing in your life every single day. But let's go back. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30, 17. It says, it says, if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I now see you today that you, you'll surely perish. Now, I want you to understand, he is not saying, I will kill you. Many times you will see phrases, even in the English Old Testament, where it says, you know, I will bring this on you and I will do this to you. And amazingly, when you look this up in the original language, it's actually saying just the opposite. It's saying it will happen to you. God's not saying, I'll do it to you. I, he's, he's saying this is a warning. This is what's going to happen because of these decisions, these choices that you make. And I'm not telling you this uh, to scare you, because, make you afraid of me. I'm telling you this to give you a warning because I love you and I want to influence you and encourage you to make a better choice. But at the end of the day, the choice is always ours. And so he says, uh, I announce to you today that you surely perish you know, if you choose this other direction. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over Jordan to go into. And, the, and crossing Jordan and going into Canaan is a type of us entering uh, the kingdom of heaven, entering into that realm where we have, we have heaven on earth. And then verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And so, so he's saying, he is saying, you're, you're not going to get blessing and cursing or, or death 
and destruction just just based on how good of a person you are. That, that, that's not it. This is not a thing where we're just constantly trying to earn something from God. He's saying, you got to make this choice. Now, one of the things you're going to see before we get out of this message is once you make a choice, everything, everything in you, every capacity to see and perceive and to hear and to recognize comes together so you start seeing, hearing, perceiving, understanding these things things that support the choice that you make. You know, the person that sees no way out, that sees no way to solve the problem, when they simply make a choice that they're going to overcome, they're going to trust God, they're going to overcome, suddenly the eyes of their, their understanding starts to open. Suddenly they start seeing opportunities that they had never seen before. They start seeing ways of escape that they had actually never seen before. But the person who the person who's afraid to make a decision, who won't make a decision, doesn't believe they can make a decision, all that person can ever see is is whatever is in the natural world, ever you know, whatever whatever is there in front of them, but they can't see with the eyes of their heart. But it's really interesting and you've got to realize this, you know, life and death, blessing and cursing are choices. That, that's it. They are decisions that we make in the way we even make decisions. In verse 20, he says something really interesting. He said, I want you to choose life because I want you to live. In other words, not just be physically alive, but I want you to have this quality of life. And, and, and because if you have this quality of life, you'll love the Lord your God and you'll be, you'll be able to hear and obey his voice. And then you will cling to him because you will discover he is your life. He is your length of days. And you'll get to dwell in this heaven on earth for the rest of your life. Man, that is so powerful. Make a choice. Make a choice based on who you believe God is. Make a choice based on how faithful you believe God is to his promises. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus brings the whole concept of, of making a choice down to a concept that uh, is called binding and loosing. I'm telling you, we've got the craziest teaching about binding and loosing. This, this is something that, that uh, has been so misused. It's been used to fight the devil and all that kind of stuff. And instead of looking, using it to look to the blessings and the cursings that we have, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus died, he took all the curses that we should ever have to endure. When he went to the grave, he paid the ultimate penalty. We'll never have to pay it. When he was raised from the dead and sat down at the right hand of God, he obtained an inheritance. And, and our thing is, do I believe that? And based on that belief, which one do I choose? And I'll tell you this, whichever one I choose is what I'm going to start seeing. What I'm going to start realizing is right out there in front of me. And uh, you know, I think I mentioned this a couple sessions back. You know, people always come to me, they want to know about, is, is the law of attraction a biblical law or whatever? And you know, my thing is this, you know, there's a, there's a lot of spiritual laws that we really don't, we give them titles, we explain how they work. And unless we look to the word of God, we really don't even know how they work. As far as I'm concerned with the law of attraction, the issue is, is not so much that that when we decide something, when we make a decision, that we start attracting it to us. But what happens is when we make a decision for life and health, prosperity and success and peace and love and all that kind of stuff, suddenly we start recognizing what has been there all along. 
what we, you know, what we could have chosen before. We start recognizing, and this is what really the, the kingdom of heaven is about, is we enter this place called Shalom, and this, and this peace, we enter this realm of peace, where we, we have peace because we recognize all of the resources of God are available to us right now. And did they get attracted? I don't, you know, I don't think so, but it doesn't really matter what I think about it. What matters is you see them, they're there, and you start being able to live in those choices. And so we've talked about this many times. Binding and loosing is really is simply this. In the Greek, this is what it literally says. If something has been declared illegal in heaven and it's happening in your life, it is your choice to say, wait a minute, Jesus carried this in his death and into the grave. So it's, this price has been paid. You have no right to be here. So I send you away. You have no place in my life. I send you away. And I don't accept it. I will not accept it. By the same token, uh, when you are lacking something in your life, which God gave you through the resurrection and inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ, which the Bible says every promise of God, yes, amen, Jesus. So any promise God's ever made to anybody, the answer is yes, God wants that in your life. It, but you have to make that decision. God does not force that on you. So if you start saying, well, wait a minute, I've got lack in my life. I'm struggling in these areas. I, you know, I've I, I got emptiness in this part of my life. It's like, oh, no, wait a minute. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he met this need. I, do, I, I reject lack, and I, and I take hold of all the provision and resources of God. But see, that's a choice, and that choice has to be enacted because, because you make the choice, and then you use your authority. You do exactly what God did when he created the world. You do exactly what Jesus did when he, when he spoke to the fig tree and then taught the disciples uh, line upon line exactly in the way that God created the world. So we've referred to this scripture a couple of times. In the book of Job, I love this. I'm reading it from the Amplified Bible. I love the way it reads in the Amplified Bible. It's true to the original language. But Job 22, 8 says, You shall decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you, and the light of God's favor uh, shall uh, shine upon your ways. So you notice he didn't say you just decide something. He says you have to decide it and decree it. Decreeing is where you're taking authority. Decreeing is where you're saying, I make the decision and based on the finished work of Jesus, I decree that this is, I will not allow this in my life and I will allow this in my life based on what Jesus did for us through the death, burial, and resur resurrection. Now, I, I want you to understand, God has freely given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Already, they've already been given. You say, well, wait a minute, how come I'm not experiencing them? I'll tell you why you're not experiencing them, because you are not deciding, you're not making the decision for yourself. It's like, God, you make the decision. God, you bless me. You make the decision to bless me. No, God's already blessed you. So what you're doing when you pray that kind of prayer, you're saying, what Jesus is doesn't matter. God, are you going to do something different? Are you going to do something based on what Jesus did? What, what are you going to do? So we've got to decide and we've got to decree. And when we do that, that is established in our heart. Something actually happens in our heart where actually we, 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 uh, uh, we, we experience 
uh, the holiness of God. We experience the fact that God is different from any idol or anything that we've ever that we have ever experienced in our life. We we experience the righteousness of God that makes us able to harmonize our life with God. This is based on uh, this is based on the letters of the of the Hebrew word, and then um, and then we actually also. Uh, Receive the message from God that shows us how to do this, how to walk this out. And we experience our capacity to harmonize heaven and earth. And it all happens because we made choices, we made decisions based on trusting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and using our authority to do it. And I'm just telling you, this is where it all changes. You know something? I hope you I hope you got a lot out of this series. I hope you'll go back and listen to it dozens of times. I hope you will join with us to reach around the world. We're going we're raising up a billion disciples right now around the world that will keep multiplying this message of the goodness of God. So be sure and go to my website, drjimrichards.com, impactministries.com. Check out all the free resources that we have for you, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.